You are listening to The Theonauts, episode 41. The one where we take some junk, shove it in a box, shake it around, and get an atomic bomb. The Theonauts Podcast. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo rocket surgeons out there. Hey there. I'm David Caddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Hey, David, how you been? I'm good, man. How's it going? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, you sound like you're actually uh, over the weather. Yeah, I'm, I'm like clearing Is up. Is the opposite of under the weather? Right, I'm on the, uh, I'm on the other side of this... About round what twenty of this stupid cold that I can't get over, but whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good. <laughs> get those pathed pathed path pathways cleaned up and cleared up, and and I'll be happy. So yeah. I've been hanging out at home a lot lately, <laughs> just trying to get it over. But. but we don't have any death catchers in here or anything no. like that, so we're doing good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Excellent. Man, I tell you what, uh, I really enjoyed you know this week when we got together for our 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 little, our little prayer. Yeah, that was good. And we did a our team that's going to Haiti. Uh, plug, plug, plug. In like two weeks, man. <laughs> With Footprints of Charity, that's at footprintsofcharity.org. Yes, if you choose to donate to this, check them out. Donate this adventure. You can that's do right. so there. Um, but what we're we, we what we were doing is we we're talking about all the logistics and the things that we've got uh, donated so far. Man, we've been getting the biggest response of any trip we've done yet. I right. mean, this is like, and we were going to go. Remember, we were going to go back in November, right? And we couldn't get enough interest to even make a team, right? And so I was really kind of discouraged and all about that. But you know, God, it's one of God's ways of saying, "Hey, look, sure. you ain't in control of this." You know, I am. That's right. This is not your thing. It's my thing. Yeah, he takes it out of your <laughs> hands and then he gives it back to you better. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, wow. We, we we announced that we were going and I wasn't expecting much of a response at all. And all of a sudden we had we had to turn people away. People were wanting to go. Right. And I was like, well, we don't have, <coughs> logistically, we just don't have room for more than what we've got. Yeah. And then on top of that, we've had all these gifts and donations of of hygiene kits and shoes and backpacks and school supplies. Yeah, and, and now we've got a huge donation uh, allocated for Bibles to, to, to uh, distribute Bibles in the country. Right. So like, wow. It's just people are coming out of the woodworks to help us out here and or help God out and, and or let, let God work through them, you know, right. in, in his work. And so, uh, so we, you know, we're talking about that. We came together. What was that? Was that Tuesday? I guess. Yeah, I think it was Tuesday. And, and we, we came together and just decided to pray. And no, spend... it was Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's right. That's right. So Thursday well, we met in the upper room of your office. That was like, what, <laughs> yesterday? <Yeah>. Yesterday morning? <laughs> Feels like a week ago. I've got way too many irons in my fire. I can't keep this stuff straight. Okay. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, we, so, man, it, I just felt the spirit so much 
yeah. in that. That was good. Man. Um, and the prayers that were offered were, man, they hit my heart really hard. Pretty and powerful. So I'm really looking forward to this thing. I can't wait. Uh, Kevin uh, texted me and said that he's getting Pastor John to translate Awesome God into uh, um, uh, Creole. Creole. And so, right. Yeah, Creole so that we can... Uh, sing that with the kids, which is like <laughs> one of my dreams come true. So it's going to be amazing. You're going to be bringing Rich Mullins to oh, the yeah. Haitians. That's right, man. <laughs> OG style. This will be good. I'm really excited. All right. Well, we got a lot to go through today. So yeah. do you have some news for us? I do, man. And now the news. Well, I wasn't around during the Bruce Jenner years. It was a little bit before my time. But, David, can you tell me how awesome Bruce Jenner was back oh, in the man, day? Oh, man, he was the Michael Phelps of the day. That's what I hear. Like, I mean, it was like he was he was cool. He yeah. had the feathered hair. Right. Well, I read he this, was a uh, man's man, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> I read this New York Times story about how one day in New York, he just went down and played basketball in the park mm-hmm. and like got all these people just come down and watch him because he was, you know... And they were describing him as a Greek god, you know, and and the way he was just moved and everything. Uh, An awesome uh, gold medal decathletist. Yeah. Just a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Now he uh, is a she. (laughs) (laughs) It's not funny, but. It's so crazy. It's It's just weird. Like, I had a friend that said, I want to believe that this news story is from The Onion. Because there's no way it can be true. But this one, I'll read this directly from New York Times. Bruce Jenner's story goes from gossip to news. For the last few years, there have been rumors and anonymous source tabloids items suggesting that Bruce Jenner, the former former Olympic uh, champion and somewhat comically befuddled patriarchal, patriarchal figure, on keeping up with the Kardashians, was transforming from male to female. The various clues, the growing of his hair into ponytail length, the apparent shaving down of his Adam's apple, (laughs) the brightly colored polish on his fingernails, were gleefully reported by gossip magazines and websites, uh, some of the more more uh, fact-challenged magazines. One of them, In Touch, even went so far as to superimpose a picture of Mr. Jennifer's head onto the body, body of... Mr. Jenner's head onto the body of actress Stephanie Beckham, (laughs) adding red lipstick to his mouth in an attempt to feminize his appearance and better reflect his headline, Bruce Story, My Life as a Woman. Wow. Last week, Jenner put everything to rest and he came out with the truth and said, yes, I have transformed my body uh, from a man into a woman. I want to be a woman. Uh, I guess Kim Kardashian and the rest of the Kardashians were totally shocked by finding this out. They didn't even know. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, that's what they say. <laughs> and so, uh, but I guess this, the story is true. He's always felt like uh, he wanted to be a woman, and so now he is, quote-unquote, finally happy. Um, Diane Sawyer from ABC News has lined up an interview for Mr. Jenner, so we'll see that in the future. And, uh, but there's also a documentary being made about his transformation. This is what I believe more than anything else. I think that he is a a media hound. Mm. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It seems oh, like I haven't really followed much of his modern day stuff. I mean, see, and I, that's I didn't the deal. Really see the Kardashians or anything like that, right? And I don't think the mainstream media, the mainstream people, populace didn't really follow him at all. So I bet you anything. I don't know. This is just my my theory that he's doing this just to get more media attention. Yeah, I just remember seeing like when the show first came out, I was like, oh, that's Bruce Jenner. Wow, he really messed up his face. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, man. It's sad. But yeah. anyway, so uh, yeah, that's that's coming out. It's amazing that that type of thing is, is news these days. Yeah. Oh, that's front page headline news of the New York Times, baby. Mm-hmm. That's news right Championed. there. Championed right. news. Yeah. yeah. Underneath that news is ISIS. <laughs> and uh, UN has finally come out stating, um, openly stating that, that maybe this ISIS group is a bad thing. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Uh, ISIS has stepped up, to this, uh, stepped up the use of children in its bloody campaign of terror. The United States says, this is from CNN, subjecting them to horrors that horrors that include putting price tags on them to sell them as sex slaves. It also talks about burying them alive, crucifying them, children. Yeah. Uh, beheading them, of course. Um, Horrible. <clears throat> this is all from a report from the UN that says that... Uh, Called out to the Iraqi people to step or the Iraqi nation to step up and fight against ISIS, but the Iraqi nation can't do anything against them. By the way, um, meanwhile, uh, our president of the United States of America uh, Wednesday in the national prayer breakfast mentioned that you know we need to be careful when we point fingers at ISIS because you know the Christians did that way back in the Crusades era. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> they need to listen to the Theonauts. Yeah, they do. Get their history straight. Seriously, the Crusades weren't about that at all. Uh by the way, <laughs> anyways, the biggest problem though is the fact that nobody's really doing anything about this. Uh there was the Israeli um fighter pilot that was burned alive. I actually watched that yesterday. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like that in my life. It was very disturbing. But the the amazing thing is the video quality that they put out whenever they put that video out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like watching like a normal, like a, an actual video. It wasn't like home-held videotape or anything like that. It was right. an actual like video of this guy being murdered in front of everybody's eyes, you know. It's unbelievable. So, anyways, finally the UN comes out and says ISIS is a threat. Surprise, surprise. So, um, we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> but it's just shocking. You know, they've been around for far too long already. They need to be shut down pretty hard. But yeah, I agree. We'll see what happens. Um, all right, let's see. One other newsworthy story. Finding Finding Jesus. Faith Facts Forgery premieres. Let me guess, Bart Ehrman. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> of course, Bart Ehrman. <laughs> CNN will launch a new investigative series beginning March 1st about the life and death of Jesus of Nazareth. Finding Jesus, Faith, Fact, Forgery explores mysteries of the Bible by investigating science and archaeology in order to dispel myths and reaffirm facts about Christianity. The six-part series will closely assess poignant moments in history such as the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. 
The first investigation uh, takes a look at the Shroud of Turin, which is believed by some experts to be the cloth used as Jesus' burial wrap after his crucifixion. Viewers will also see the exploration of notable notable gospel characters, including Mary Magdalene, Judas, and John the Baptist. Expert commentary will be featured, the likes of Ivy League academics from Yale, Harvard, Princeton, and Oxford Universities, who will provide theological insight. Yeah, okay. <laughs> These include... Yeah. Well, Erwin McManus is going to be there, okay. which is cool. These include Erwin McManus, senior pastor of Mosaic Los Angeles, and Reverend Paul uh, Rashasher Bush. I don't know him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> executive or religion editor of the Huffington Post. Uh, David Gibson is going to be the film uh, filmmaker and journalist. So... No Lee Strobel or anything like that. No there. Lee Strobel, of course. And I wonder if Bart Ehrman will stick his little head out yeah. from his snake hole and, <laughs> and say something about it. I I have a couple of books by Bart, Bart just to read and oh, get yeah, angry I do, I do at. Too. The Lost Gospels. Have you read that one? Mm-hmm. That's so stupid. Misquoting Jesus. Yeah, misquoting Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a that guy's a piece. Yeah, of I've work. actually got a really good rebuttal book to that called Misquoting Truth. Oh yeah, and it's and it's a rebuttal of all the things that misquoting Jesus talks about. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Wow, awesome. Uh, that's pretty much all I have in the news. I'd talk about the Four Blood Moons book being put into a docudrama but i don't think that even deserves our time of day so i'm not going to awesome well we still have enough time to do a little this theo trivia awesome thank you thank you thank you welcome all welcome (laughs) now Whose turn is it? Do you remember? Yeah, it's your turn. It's my turn. We always start with you. What? We we've always started with you, I believe. Oh, have we? Okay. Probably not, but <laughs> I want to, so I'm going to say that. Well, let's go with names in. <sighs> ah. What sister of Moses and Aaron was punished for criticism or jealousy of Moses? This one's pretty easy. I think it's easy anyways. I may have made you look like a fool. <laughs> Miriam. Yes, that's right. Miriam. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Miriam got uh, upset with Moses for marrying an Ethiopian woman. That's right. It's really one of the very first uh, slams on uh, racism. That's right. And really what happens is uh, God is on the side of the... Uh, on mixed Moses marriage. Yep. Ooh, that's interesting. We get in trouble with that in Texas, so I'll just move yeah. on. Okay. So what you got? <laughs> what, what you want? I want. Uh, let's say New Testament. New Testament. Who deserted Paul and Barnabas at Pamphylia? Trying to remember his name and it just is not oh, coming. The to blank me. is coming. Yes, have you ever? Oh, okay, there was big contention about this, right? And uh, second uh, missionary journey, 
It's like, nope, not bringing that guy. Uh, Paul, was it? Um, and he left because he didn't like. Bar- was it he didn't like Barnabas or? It doesn't really say oh, what, okay. what the, why he left. He I think he was. I think he was scared. He was young. Right. <sighs> I don't know. I'm gonna lose this one. I forget. Oh, I hate that. John Mark. Oh, that's right. John or Mark, however you want to. Uh, Acts 15, verse 38. Man, I totally miffed that one. <laughs> a swing and a miss for me today. Okay. Well, then, let's do something interesting. How about um, history and geography? Those okay. Those are always intriguing. What was the first archaeological discovery to provide archaeological evidence for an Old Testament event. This one's very hard. (laughs) I'm going to say the cuneiform tablet of Shishak. Attacking um, Israel? No. Ah. But I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine how you even knew that. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Mesha stone or the Moabite stone. The Moabite stone. I don't know it. Hmm. I'd have to Google it. Yeah, I'd have to see what all the, <laughs> the details are. All right, give me history and archaeology. Let's see if I can handle a, uh, okay. a hard one since I totally forgot John Mark. <laughs> it's been one of those weeks. Okay. History and geography. In what town did Cain live east of Eden? <laughs> wiki, wiki. He dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden? Yes, he did. That's true. Woo. That is found I got in one. Genesis 4, verse Hey, Ma, 16. I got one. Woo. All right. Thanks. Thank you very much. So, I, uh, you know. You know are, are they sleepy in the land of Nod? <laughs> I don't know. Everybody keeps nodding off. I keep thinking of that Bob Dylan song. Bob Dylan. Yeah. He has a song that every line on the other end of it's like, East of Eden. <laughs> but he's like, you know, it's Bob Dylan. East of Eden. <laughs> gather around people. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. Okay, we're talking. Science by design. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> All right, sorry. So, yeah. Let me get out of that mode. Part four. Part four. Of our creation series. Yes. And I think that this will probably wrap it up for us. At oh, least, man. At least for now. We may, we may come up with... If you got something that you want to add to it, we can do another one. This has probably one of, been one of our most popular series. Well, at least one of them was. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Put on your thinking caps, kids. It's time to go to science class. Woo-hoo-hoo. Bill, not enough. Not him. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Ham the Science Jam. Sorry. I'm really not digging Ken Okay, Ham's me neither. But <laughs> I could have debated Bill Nye better than Ken Ham did. You know me too. Did you that, watch that? Yes, that I infuriated did. That, me. That, well, he missed 
so many softballs yeah. that that Bill Nye tossed up right yeah. there. It's like all you had to, he well what it was is Ken Ham had an agenda. He wanted to make a point, right? And he wasn't really paying attention to the arguments. He nope. was trying to make his point, right? He should have he should have argued everything that Bill Nye right had. right because and there's just, answers to that stuff exactly. Bill Nye's asking questions, right? Ham's not answering them. Right. Instead, he's trying to get his agenda across, right? So. And uh, Bill Nye says in the end, he goes, you know, you have, I'm really disappointed. You've, you haven't given me one shred of evidence. I'm asking for one shred of evidence. And I'm like, yeah, Bill. I mean, yeah, Ken, you yeah. really haven't given him. But now given that, I will say that Bill Nye really stunk in that thing. Oh, he did too. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I do think Ken Ham kind of won the debate. Yeah. Uh, but, but Wow. It was disappointing. It's a good thing it was Bill Nye and not Richard Dawkins or yeah. somebody like that. Yeah, he would have got torn apart with Richard <laughs> Dawkins. I can handle Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this 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 uh, study that we're going to be doing, and once again, we're talking a lot of science uh, to back up what the Bible yeah. says happened. And um, so we, we'll touch on maybe a scripture or two, but most of this is going to be things that you can take to your atheist right. uh, counterparts and friends or whatever, because this this is information that, for example, was for me, it was very important to me whenever I was in college right. because I have a science degree. I had a lot of science classes. I had a lot of atheistic teachers, had a lot of atheistic uh, counterparts, you know, sitting next to me. Sure. And we always discussed this stuff because my faith... <laughs> is important to me, right? So, Absolutely. <clears throat> so, and it, you know, um, it, it goes to say, before we even get into it, we need to remember and go back and, and say this over and over again. Listen, if you're debating an atheist, uh, the best thing for you to do is to not use scripture. Yeah, don't quote <laughs> don't quote the Bible because they don't believe it's right. That's right. You need to use their sources to prove the existence of God, and you can definitely do that. Yeah. Science. Now, you can quote the Bible whenever you say, okay, this scientific method points to this. Right. Let me show you what the Bible says about that. Right. Okay, now that's different. But whenever, if all you've got is the Word of God, they won't listen to you be- right. because they've shut that off already. They've, right. they've quit listening to you before you even opened the book up. Yep. And God has given you so many other other things too, science and philosophy. Yeah. To the they go hand in hand with the proof of, of the existence yeah, of God. Let's so. echo that again. God gave that to us. Yes, the, uh, science is not owned by the scientists. No, it is owned by God. That's right. He he's invented the, it. He's the creator, <laughs> and so uh, the, the scientific s- method was God's <laughs> thing. The, the seeking truth is a uh, is a noble, godly thing. Sure. And so well, that's the, what science is, is seeking truth. That's right. And it's the theme of our our show to begin with. Right. 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 To discover truth. Yeah. So. And to and to uh dig and yes. to research and that's to right. you know, none of these things come cheap. No. I mean, you're not gonna find uh answers to hard questions, you know, uh by just you know, uh, a, a really quick scan of the internet. I right. Mean, you really need to know some of this stuff before you get into a debate or, dig, yeah. or whatever with somebody. That's and right. I also want to bring up that the point of this is not to prove people wrong. Right. It is to defend God. Amen. So uh, it is not your job to make someone look bad or to uh, win an argument. 
And, and that's the problem with debates and why I really don't like debates anyway, because debate is always about the debaters. Yeah. Truth doesn't even have to come into play. Right. A good debater can win without the truth. Right. Uh, so it's not about you. It's not about, it's not about uh, being right. And it's not about, uh, hey, I sure told that guy. It's about building your faith to know just because you're hearing atheistic spillage coming from <laughs> yeah <laughs> coming from a podium somewhere don't let that shatter your faith right don't let that get into your head and make you start thinking oh you know what this is all hokey religion and myth right and i've just been you know um horse waggled or whatever texan swoggled horn swoggled or whatever texas <laughs> term you term you want to throw on it of right. of, of of you know where you start doubting because the enemy of faith is not information. No, it's doubt. That's the enemy of faith. Right. And what we've, what, what too many Christians lean on this whole thing about, well, I don't need to know what happened to the dinosaurs because I've got faith that that the Bible's right. That's fine. But knowing more information about, things that are going to be questioned like dinosaurs, like the age of the earth, like all these, right. the more information, you know, the stronger a, a, the stronger it makes your faith and B, the more you can give an answer to those about the hope that is within you. Right. And isn't that what Peter told us to do? Right. Well, that's our whole purpose on earth is to make Christians, right? <laughs> so we should be the best Christian makers we can possibly be. The field be. is white for the harvest. It is. Amen. And in the, right. the workers are few. Right. And that's that's what we're hoping to do is to uh, equip you guys. And that's right. part of our the GCT network, man. That's yeah. our that's our whole mantra, the great tra- great transmission. Great commission. Commission transmission. transmission. Wow. Hey, Michael. You I'm, got I'm it. totally blowing it because that's such a cool name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but th- that's the whole point is is to equip right. you guys right. with the, the information that you need in order to help uh, spread God's word. Amen. And so speaking of information. Yes, let's get back to it. Let's get that's, to That's what we're going to talk about. Information. And to me, this is the nail in the coffin and it may not be for uh, for everybody, but for me, this is one of the things that just completely removes uh, evolution from the creation um, from from uh, origin. Okay. Okay. So you know I, we use that word evolution, and in parent you know parenthetical here. Yeah. Evolution. We're talking macro. Macro evolution. Inter- not macro. Interspecies evolution. We're right. not talking about finches on one side of the island having a small beak versus finches on the other side of the island with a big beak. Right. We're talking about dogs and the cats. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love Was that, that a Ghostbusters. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's just crazy to think. Oh my dog. Dogs and cats living together. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Sharing the same space and the same. All right. So, so, <laughs> so yeah. Macro evolution. When, when we say evolution, just assume that we're talking about macro evolution. Right. We're not talking about small changes in environmental situations. Right. So now, um, information. Uh, the 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 point of this, and and as we get into it, it'll make more sense. But uh, everything is made up of systems, right? Yes. I mean, everything is a system of some sort. Mechanical. Uh, physical things that move and 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 uh, this sort of thing. Right. Okay. Well, all isolated systems contain specific 
but perishable amounts of information. So um, everything has some sort of information in it that defines what it is. Right. Now, as and this could be a sentient thing like us, like animals, uh, or it could be something that's not sentient. You know, uh, give us an example. Well, of that. anything that that we build, a computer. How or, about a computer program? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's got information in it. I mean, it's got a purpose. It's got a reason. Right. There, um, there are things that we use it for. Okay. So all all these systems that are around us, both uh, natural and man-made, all contain some sort of information, and that information diminishes with time right so like for example uh a a record a record so i got all these records around me lp records sure vinyls okay if i if i leave these things alone forever and let dust collect on them and all that sort of thing what happens whenever i I pull it out and i start letting it play again it's gonna be the information on there gets degraded right right it starts to crack pop uh skip things like this i mean what's the What's the law? It's a law of thermodynamics. Law of entropy. Law, law of talked, entropy. Talked about it last time. So, sure. So just like the physical nature of things, entropy also affects information. Sure. Uh, the information we contain in our in our minds as right. we get older, it gets worse. Amen, I mean, brother. You can't remember what you what you did. You know, <laughs> I couldn't remember that we had just met yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Law of entropy. <laughs> it's a law of entropy, man. <laughs> now, that information in my head is degrading. Yeah. Uh, so no isolated system has ever been observed to increase its information content significantly on its own. Now, obviously, I can record something on a record and make it have more information, right? Yeah. Or I can, I can just like what we're doing right now, we can record information into this MP3 format, right. put it up on the internet, and we put information sure. out there. Okay, however, if we never came into this studio, it would never get done. Right. Okay, it's not going to do it on its own. Information will never build itself. It has to have a builder. It has to have a creator. It has to have an intelligent person behind it in order for it yeah. to exist. So... Natural processes, without exception, destroys information. Yeah. That's just the way it works. Information gets destroyed unless some intelligence keeps it alive. Right. And keeps it going. Okay. So uh, what is information? I mean, we have to kind of define this. Information, we're, we're talking about anything that is not random or overtly repetitive. Okay. okay. So is so anything that has some similitude of order, a sequence, right to it, is considered information. information. So a great example of this is we're talking about scientist Carl Sagan. Yes, Carl Sagan hosted Cosmos, you know, for for years. Oh yeah, great guy. Yeah, he was, uh, 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 I loved watching Cosmos and things sure. of that nature. But however, uh, he had a certain view about um, about. God and this and, and this sort of thing, right? And it's and he actually asked a bunch of questions about faith. And one of the, one of his big studies on this was a book called Contact. And I don't know if you've ever read any of that book or if you've seen the movie based on it with um, yes, what's her name, the chick, uh, where they drop her through the thing and <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, what is she her talks name? to her dead dad. Uh, <laughs> Her grandpa or whatever yeah, okay. on the shore of that beach, and she well, finds out she's an alien. You know what we're talking about? Yeah, Contact. <laughs> it was a weird movie, man. Okay, well, it it's out. based on a book 
by Carl Sagan. Yeah. And uh, that's where the quote comes from. You know, if just look up in the sky and uh, if we're the only ones out here, it's sure a great a waste, great of, waste space. of space. Okay. It comes yeah. from that book. Yeah. <clears throat> there is a very interesting thing in the storyline. Whenever uh, the main character hears a signal, they're they're astro- they're, yeah. they're uh, radio astronomers. They're listening in space, listening for a signal. For a signal, they hear a certain signal that signifies intelligence. Right. Okay. Do you do you remember what the signal was? Um, it was mathematics. Oh, that's right. It was prime numbers. I thought it was just a beep, 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 beep. beep well, that's what beep, it was. Beep, but okay. But it was a. Series. I watched the movie. I'm but it was it. numbers. Okay. She, that's how she wrote it down. It was like okay, uh, one, uh, and then the next number was or uh, was it two, three, five, seven, eleven, thirteen, seventeen. These are all prime, prime numbers. numbers. Yeah. Okay, prime number meaning if you remember back to your mathematics class. A number that is evenly divisible by one in itself. Right, exactly. Okay, so you can't divide it any further. Thank you. <laughs> I'm an English major. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> okay, so if you started hearing yes. every number in order that we know that can only be divided by one in itself. It's got to be coming thinking, from something intelligent. This is not random. Right. There is an intelligence behind it, okay? And that's exactly what the character in, yeah. in the book Realize this is an extraterrestrial message. Right. Okay. So why think that? Because it's not random. Because sure. it's information. Well, there's no, yeah, there's no way it could have come from just nothing. Right. Okay. And so that's kind of where we're going to get to on this is that things are full of information, but yet the biological scientific community wants us to believe that that stuff came out of nothingness. That right. that information just was randomly, randomly happened. organized, yeah. And, uh, y- y- you know, just like the character in Contact didn't think that it just evolved, that signal evolved in space over time. Right. She thought, there's an intelligence behind this. Right. It's the same. Somebody's pushing the button to make the, the prime numbers send out across the airwaves. Yes. So information is determined by intelligence and not the physical properties of the system itself. So let me give you an example here. Um, Paul Revere's uh, famous ride. Yes. Okay. Now, it was it, it, it was lights in the old church that that he saw. Right. That that signified a code. Right. right? One if by land if by land. Two, two if, if by I sea. See, yeah. Okay. So if there was one light in the church tower, it meant that the British were coming via the land. If right. he saw two, it meant that they were coming in the sea. Uh, so he had a message to deliver, right? right? Now, that information, the lights are the physical things. Now, if the Redcoats saw the lights in the tower, did they go, oh, they're on to us? No, they had no clue. No, why? Because they, because didn't, they have, didn't know the code. They didn't have the code. They didn't have the information. Right. So information is completely outside of the physical nature right. of it. So just seeing the lights means nothing. You have to be able to understand it. Right. And if you saw if you saw words on a page but never learned the alphabet, it would be random to you. It's just random marks on the page. Right. The physical nature of it means nothing. Right. It's it's that you were programmed to know 
that an A is shaped like a little circle with a line on the side of it. Right. right? So if you, and until you learn that, until you learn the code, the information behind it, the physical nature of it means nothing. nothing yeah. Okay. So let's talk about evolution for a second. Okay. We evolved from nothingness or from a, a, a single cell, single cell or whatever. Organism, yeah. And we began to, to mold into what we are now. Where did all that information come from? We would be lifeless lumps and we would all look the same because the information in our DNA, which we'll talk about here in a minute, determines what you look like. Right. It determines what kind of color of hair you have, what color of eyes you have, if you're short, if you're fat, if you're skinny, if you're uh, weird. I mean, <laughs> right. whatever. All that's determined by information. The genetic code. So if there was no information, we would all be the same. Right. There would be no different, and we would not be able to function because our minds contain information. Yeah. Right. So where did that come from? Yeah. There is no scientific theory that gives us anything about this. Well, there's no way we can understand it. There's no way the scientific uh, there's community. no way the scientific community can can see where it, where it came from. They can't prove it. It's a non-observable thing. Exactly. Because information is not tangible. Right. It is intangible. Right. And so, you know, there are tons more of examples about uh, unique patterns to anything gives us information. Sure. Uh, Mount Rushmore. Okay. You know what Mount Rushmore is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's that gigantic it's mountain. It's a big mountain. That, That's right. That, that, Over in France somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this mountain that over millions of years, uh, the water has eroded it yeah, to strangely, to that strangely look like presidents, the presidents of, of the our United, United States. States. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. No, it's, <laughs> and of course we Josh, but the but 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 the point that's the point, right? We look up at that mountain and we know there was an artist. There was somebody that blasted that thing to make it look the way it does. <laughs> right. No one looks at it and goes, wow, what a coincidence. Right. Or wow, how random, how did that randomly happen? Yeah. Nobody thinks Well, that. and think of it this way. Let's say that America collapses and falls, you know, and, and we're into a thousand years of, of, of nothing, uh, of another, uh, of dark ages, right? Yeah. And then explorers come from new worlds over across the ocean from China and they go, whoa. People used to live here. People used to live here. We have discovered the people used to live here. That's what we do with... Uh, today with archaeology, we don't go. Oh, that randomly happened. That knife deep down in right the... because there's patterns of recognition. Right, we see things and we know there's information there that tells us there yeah. was an intelligence behind this item right. or this creation. And so, and yet, why do we do that with this world itself? Yes, it's the same way. Everything <laughs> there is patterns of recognition in in everything. Sure, uh, especially mechanical. Now oh, we yeah. are machines, right? We're we're built. We we have all these mechanisms moving. Yeah, uh, uh, little biological gears. Basically, science has gotten really close, but they have still not come close enough to making a machine mm. quite like the human body. Right. Yeah. And even if they did, would anybody look at that machine and go, "Wow, that randomly occurred over <laughs> millions of years"? Yeah. No, they would go. 
wow, someone was smart enough to create this Put automaton thing together. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, there's a very popular, um, example that gets used a lot about finding the pocket watch on Mars. Sure. And that, and it applies into the situation because if we, we've got a Rover up there that's still alive, it's been up there for what, 10, 11 years now. Right. And, and recently people have been talking about, Hey, uh, uh, was it spirit or, uh, the other one? I can't remember which one. Um, but anyway, if it's still rolling around up right. there, and what if it ran across a pocket watch? Right. Would we, <laughs> would we go, wow, that was random? Yeah. You know, the, the atmosphere on Mars constructed a timepiece. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's amazing. Over millions of years. Yeah. No. I mean, we would, we would immediately, the, the scientific community would be shouting, intelligent life. There's intelligent life on Mars. We right. found a, a intelligently made object. When you look at the human body, it is so much of more complex working mechanism. Oh yeah, than that pocket watch would be. Right. And but yet we don't ask that question, or we don't have that realization that wow, an intelligence was behind this and yeah. and and engineered it to perfection. Look how cool it is. Yeah. No, instead we want to jump to randomness. Right. And in and, and this weird, obscure... Well, and you think about, okay, so <clears throat> what happens when there's a chemical imbalance in the body? Things, things don't work right. Things don't work right. It has to be this way, you know, mm-hmm. in order to work right. Randomness would give us chemical imbalances <laughs> everywhere. Right. And we would be wet noodles for brains, <laughs> right? We would just be... Right. We would be totally... Uh, losing it all right, the time, right? Because there are things that keep us in check. Yeah, and I mean that's a that's that's a great point. If 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 we weren't given that um, calibration, right? Oh, Some, and it's a precise calibration. Yeah, someone had to calibrate us. Yeah, and but yet the scientific community wants to say random over a lot of time. This naturally developed. Um, it it just. It leaves out the information. Sure, okay. Let's let's go with with Darwin and say, okay. Over time, these things moved from one animal to another because of natural selection, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But whenever you do that, how do you answer the question? Okay, all you've covered is the physical nature of things. Yeah. Like all he observed was the beaks on finches, right? Yeah. So he didn't observe what they were thinking or. Or you know, he wasn't looking at information. Sure, he was looking at the physical physicality of the animals. Right, and there is something bigger than just the physical nature of animals. Right, there is that intangible uh, information that's in there as well. That's right. Um, so, it, like in today's world, everything is is based around computers and stuff sure. like this. So I have. Two in front of me, you have one in front of you. Right. I showed David this uh, picture just a little bit ago and said the the 21st century summed up in one sad photo. There's a picture of a guy on a sailboat and there's this whale coming up out of the water. Right. And he's on his cell phone looking at pictures. (laughs) He's missing the humpback whale. Right. It's so true. Everything revolves around computers. But side note, go ahead. So you got all this computer stuff. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, I've. In my time, I've built computers, and so I'm nerd. Yeah, I'll, total geek. I'll concede that. Boo, fi, <laughs> spite. No, I okay. wish I could build a computer. So I know what's in a computer, what makes it work, right? right? 
magic I, and fairy dust. Yes. It's like, <laughs> it just evolved over time. No, so you got all these parts. Right. Okay, you put all the parts together. Okay. And you set it down. What do you got? A computer. Well, there's no... Let's not plug it in. Let's no not current. put any software in it. Let's nothing. You've got a box, a black box. You've got <laughs> That's nothing. Right. You've got a boat anchor. Yeah. It's the physical part of the computer. <laughs> right. Is dead with nothing in it until you inject intelligence. Right. Until you inject the logic that uh, makes it function. Okay. So the spark of life, if you will. Right. We have to breathe that breath of life. The 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> now, here's a really interesting thing. If you look at science, we have never been able to create that spark of life. Right. Uh, we can build a person. We can put one together. Mm-hmm. But we've never been able to, to infuse it with that intelligent That's the life. key, isn't it? I mean, even Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, yeah. you know, uh, dove into this. Right. About the complexity of just, you know, dead corpse parts. There's nothing there. Right. Until, you know, whatever it is that Victor Frankenstein stumbled on that right. allowed him to inject life back into the thing. Yeah, as, as far as we've gotten, and we still haven't been able to do that. Yeah, so we've got this. So in, in the computer industry, we've got... Two groups of stuff, right? We've got hardware, right. which is all the computer the itself, the, the thing that sits under your desk or your monitor and all that hardware. But then you have something else that you have to buy in order for the computer to be worth anything. Software. Software. Yeah. Okay, what is software? It's the the program it's that, that the, the computer runs on. It's the brains, right? Yeah, it's the brains. It's the intelligence. Sure. I mean, and, of course, this isn't readily... Uh, obviously, because when you go buy a computer, it's already got uh, some Windows horrible operating iOS. system in it called Windows. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're an Apple. Ooh, highfalutin <laughs> iOS. Anyways. So, so anyway, you've got software that comes on it when you buy sure. it. Okay. But without that, it's nothing. It doesn't work. Right. It's pointless. Okay. It's so boat anchor. The, 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 the idea is that you and I are the same way. And all humans and all all living things are the same way. We have hardware. Sure. Fingers, fingernails, teeth, eyes. I mean, all these little pieces. Yeah. We've got input, output, uh, all these different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know what, what that conjures up. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. Input, output. <laughs> that was really funny. So you got all that stuff. That's right. You do. <laughs> but what you don't, but, but the, you also have. Is software right that makes you Jeremiah and it makes me David? That's right. It's, it is a uh, it is the thing that makes you uniquely you, and right. that is information. Yeah, put there by a programmer, a god, right? Who who is an uh, intelligent uh, life that 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 built that into us? Now, exactly. What, what do we call this in the science scientific uh, community? Has a name for this DNA. DNA. Yeah. So DNA is actually a chemical that resides inside of our cellular system that that defines right. everything. But it's not just a chemical. It's an information carrier. Right. Uh, and it defines everything about us. Now, I just want to give you some facts about DNA. Bring it on. Okay. Now, this is so that we can wrap <laughs> our minds around how complex <laughs> of a software system 
we really are. Okay. This is, this is just utterly amazing because we've got computers and, and they take up a lot of space. Yeah. Right. In the, in the back in the day, uh, a computer the size of my iPhone filled a whole room. Right. Okay. With spinning tapes and all kinds Speaking of stuff. Speaking of which, I, I was just reading uh, Star Trek lore. Yeah. Um, data, you know, data from Star Trek right, Next right. Generation. When they created him, he could do six million teraflops or whatever <laughs> of processing. Right. Right. Today's smart computers can do twice what Data's <laughs> was created to back in the, the 80s. Right. It's pretty amazing how advanced we've gotten. Yeah. It just so, that has nothing to do so with anything, but it's interesting. How impressed are we, though, that we went from the size of a room Yeah, that all these computers had, in order for it to make it work, it had to fill the whole room and it had to be specially cooled and right. be on a, on, a, on a floor that you know, was lifted up and right. all this. And, it was the computer room. <laughs> yes, it was the server room. And so, uh, but now we put that information on a phone right. or even a watch. Yeah. So it's impressive to us that we've been able to take that amount of information and shrunk it down <laughs> right. and fit it into a little bitty box right yeah. but let's look at what is inside of us sure and has been there forever ever since we've been created right okay um so a human cell the information that that is in one human cell would fill four thousand books 500 pages long with 300 words per page <sighs> Okay, so that's one cell. It would fill 4,000 books, an entire library of thick 500-page books with dense writing on them on every page. Wow. So imagine just one of your cells yeah. contains a library. A cheek cell contains enough uh, information on it to fill up a library of 4,000 books. Right. So we're talking about all this information is laid out in little bitty letter codes yeah. that, that when combined a certain way creates information wow. and, th- and that amount of information. Okay. So if we talk about how big that is, that's 50 cubic inches of data in just one, one cell. Okay. Gosh. Human beings contain 10 to the 14th cells. Now, remember we talked about exponential numbers. Yeah. That means 10 with 14 zeros after it. (laughs) Okay, that's a big number. (laughs) Okay, so that's how many cells we have in our body. So that means that we have that times 4,000 books in our... This is absolutely huge. It's astronomical. So if we were going to build a library containing just the information inside of Jeremiah... (laughs) <laughs> that's a lot of information, folks. <laughs> you would have the Grand... Okay, the, the, as comparison, the Grand Canyon is about a thousand cubic miles in volume. Yeah. So the amount of information in one human cell could fill the Grand Canyon 78 times. Okay, so 78 Grand Canyons just for a single cell. No, a single person. Uh, oh, sorry, a single person. Yeah. So... Imagine that. 78 Grand Canyons per person. Right. That's how much data. That's how much information is, is contained in your body. So if we if we look at that from a standpoint of a computer, you know, I mean, how many computers would it take oh to contain that much information? Yeah. Even we would be back to room size things that right. you know, or more so. Um, 
Now, if you were to take DNA is a strand of chemical. Right. If you were to actually take the physical DNA strand and and stretch it all out end to end, all the information right. end to end, um, it is going to go for a long way just <laughs> out of out of the human body. Now, so for for example, the moon is two hundred and forty thousand miles from Earth. Right. Okay. If DNA in a human cell is stretched out, it's about seven feet long. Just one uh, cell's worth of DNA. Wow. Okay. Now, first off, let's think about that. Seven feet contains 4,000 books, 500 pages long. (laughs) Okay. But if we laid out all the the DNA in your body, uh, if it was placed end to end, seven feet long a piece, it would make that trip... Uh, to the moon and back 250,000 times. Oh my goodness. Just just one person. So 240,000 times 250,000 times <laughs> <laughs> equals one uh, equals DNA end to end. <laughs> right. Okay. So I can't wrap my mind. Okay. So that. now we've talked about the volume of data in right. the human body. We've talked about how much it, it is to stretch it end to end. What about the weight of it? Okay, <laughs> let's 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 look at, at how much your DNA weighs. It's probably more than me. I so imagine. the DNA in a human cell. <laughs> this is this number is so astronomically small that you're not even going to be able to get your head around it. But DNA in a human cell weighs less than six point four times ten to the negative grant negative twelve grams. Okay, so. That's negative 10 to, 10 the to the negative 12. So if you were to um, put 12, 12 decibel points in front of 10. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> that's how small we're talking. Okay. That uh, of a gram. Okay. Wow. Now, now there is less than 50 billion people who have ever lived on the earth. Right. That's assuming, you know, the information we have, it looks like. Sure. There, there's been about 50 billion people who have ever lived. So okay. every human who has ever lived if we take all of that and we multiply it by this little bitty number that all your DNA weighs, then uh, the DNA of every person that ever lived stacked together would weigh only about 0.32 grams. Unbelievable. A third of a gram. So all that information packed into that tiny yes. of a space. That's smaller than an aspirin. Yeah. Everybody who ever lived, the information in there is vast, unimaginably vast. Yeah. But yet unimaginably light. Yeah. We just think we've done a great thing by taking our computers from room size to watch size. <laughs> that ain't nothing. This nothing. And it, we read the scriptures that says God sits in heaven and laughs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and Isaiah wasn't kidding, you know, no. whenever he said, you know, our ways are not his ways. Right. I mean, we have no way of getting our head around no. this type of intelligence. We this, could never, I don't think we could ever esteem to be like that. No, this is vast engineering. Right. I mean, very, very well put together. Uh, and, and the thing is, nobody knows where it came from. Yeah. No one can explain. So it just came out of nothing. Yes. No one, <laughs> no one can explain DNA. There's not even a, th- a scientific theory about it. Right. 
It, it, it doesn't work into Darwinism at all. It's it just, not, Darwin never even mentions this stuff. Well, he doesn't know about it, does he? Well, I mean, you have to at least be able to observe that things have information in them. Right. He wouldn't have known the, how vast that information was. Right. But he would have at least should have been able to, well, of course, that was the science of the 1800s. Sure. And so why we're still clinging to the science of the 1800s when it comes to biology, I don't know. <laughs> But because it's right, I tell you. Because there's no other real good that's uh, right theory, non-intelligence-based theory. Right. So, um, okay. So let's continue on back into that whole evolution thing. Let's talk about yeah. let's talk about reproduction for a minute. Okay. Now, this has nothing to do with sex education or anything like that. So, sorry. The kids don't need to leave the room <laughs> or anything like that. Okay. So, um, How you doing? Let's, let's sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so let's let's think about um, about how Darwinism explains evolution. Okay. Okay. Single cell. That's the beginning point. Right. Of course, he didn't have enough technology to just look beyond the cell, but single cell is where it began. Then you've got that broke off into right. multiple cells, right. which then developed into a higher life form, Yeah, which then uh, over time and generations developed into another life, another form, life form, which over time and generations, because yeah. obviously one organism's not doing this. Right. And you have to have generations. You got generations and generations of right. this organism, and then it evolves into another organism. So you've got this uh, growth pattern. Right. Happening, and it makes sense whenever you think about it from 50,000 foot in the air. Sure. But let's bring it back down to the order of things. Okay. Do you, there are single-celled organisms that exist. Sure. Amoeba. Right. Thing, uh, paramecium. Things, yeah. things of this nature. However, there's no two-celled organisms. There's no three-celled organisms. The next step is four. You have <laughs> to have four cells before you become a multi-organism. Multi-celled. Multi-celled organism. organism. Okay. So the, so the first question is this. How did a single cell through thousands of years of generations, get from point A to point B? How did it get from a single cell to four cells? To four cells yeah. without being an organism of two cells and without being an organism of three. Yeah. You can't jump. Right. You can't, you can't just like catapult into the future of right. your evolutionary track. You have to go slowly one step at a time. Right. So that's the first big question. Now, let's say you've got, let, let's assume that happened somehow. You've got multiple cell organisms now. Yeah. And you have a higher life form. Okay. At the time when we're talking about cells, you can reproduce simply by dividing. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere along the line, that had to stop. <laughs> you had to start reproducing in another fashion. Okay. Right. Now, now, at some point, natural selection would have had to say, you know what? I'm not even going to be... I'm going to be uh, liberal here and, and not be sexist at all. And I'm going to say the first multi-celled organism was female. <laughs> <laughs> all right. At what point does natural selection go, you know what? I think we need a male. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this isn't working. We can't right. just divide into another person. you got to have that the opposite sex right. in order to procreate. Right. And so you can't. 
natural selection is dumb. It's not intelligence, right? It's right. it's just a matter of the the environment shaping right. it. Right. So how does it get to a point where it decides there needs to be two sexes? Well, it was time plus trial and error, right? <laughs> well, that we looked at that last time. It's yeah. astronomically impossible. Literally, scientifically, the definition of impossibility to have that much trial and error and to produce... Not enough room, not enough time. Not enough room, not enough time to produce a male and female to reproduce. Mm. It just can't happen. It's scientifically impossible. Uh, Why don't we get this? Yeah. And it's like, so, uh, so let's say that even one animal was able to move from fish to lizard. How did so many others? And... And... You see what I'm saying? So it happened right. once, might be happen happen chance or happenstance that just happened. Right. How many other species but, have done that? Yeah. But right next door was another one that made the same leap at the same time, so that these two could procreate. Right. You see, it starts getting really wacky whenever you. Well, come science out. will find a way, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, let's okay. Let's skip way ahead now and get back and get to human evolution. Sure. Okay. Now we can observe. The 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 uh, gestation of a human inside of a a, a, a mother, yeah, right. So we can so we can see the steps that that uh, these sure. these cells take. So these cells actually uh, do start dividing, and then at some point, and no one knows why, but at some point the cells quit being identical. All of a sudden, one cell decides, hey. I'm going to be a skin cell. Yeah. And another one goes, well, you know what? I think I'll be a blood cell. Right. And another one says, well, I'm going to be a hair follicle. Yeah. I'm going to be the heart. I'm going to be a bone. I'm going to be all these little things. That- and what we've discovered is you can take embryonic stem cells before this point and you can take them and create them into whatever you want them to be. Influence into what, right. you know, the embryonic stem cell research has shown us that. So at some point, there's this shift. Yes. So the question is, where does that information come from? What determines that, you know what, I'm a cell, all of a sudden I'm going to be a skin cell. How does that chaos come into order? Right. And 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 then how do we know how many skin cells we need? Oh, wait a minute. You can't be a skin cell <laughs> because we need muscle also. Right. Or we need bone. Or yeah. We need... You have to be a tooth. <laughs> right. So there's no... There's no real there's there's order to it is I guess what I'm saying. There has to be order. There's to information it. involved here. Who commands the cells to change into what they're supposed to be? Nothing but God the Father. Amen. Yeah. And that's and that's the whole point is that there's information in our very reproduction that requires an intelligence. It requires an engineering. Right. It it requires someone to say this is how the it needs to function in order for right. it to be viable. Yeah. Okay. Um, but man, there's there are tons of other things. Let's, uh, let's just jump around a little bit. Okay. Things that are in in information. Uh, your emotions. Yeah. We talked about this. You know, dopamine and all those chemicals. Sure, the that, chemicals reactions in the brain that make that you cause emotions. Right. So we know what happy is right and what sad is and what right. anger and, and grief i yeah. mean we know all these emotions and there are outside things that cause stimuli that cause us to have different emotions but what happens is that the chemicals are actually reacting in our brain causing the emotions right so where does the, where do those things come from 
we can't tangibly hold anger right. or hold happiness. Right. These are intangible things. Or think about the fight or flight uh, function. Right. functionality which is this one's not even inherent uh just in humans this is inherent across all of creation you know there's a fight or fight and flight response right and, uh, okay so so let's let's talk about that for a second sure uh you've got animal instincts yeah moral laws yeah. even that are built even into animals there right are moral laws that animals follow right right animals don't kill well some of them do but uh i say they don't kill for fun they kill for you know, necessity or whatever. That's a great example. But some of them do kill for fun. I'm playing Skyrim today. <laughs> okay. Right? And I unlocked this thing and this lady's there. And my first instinct, she scared me and I hit her with my hammer thing. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I can't hurt her. Like, why? <laughs> it's a computer thing. But there's a natural thing within right. me that says... Because there's information there. Right. That says, that, that gives you uh, feedback. Yeah. Right? And there's an emotion tied to it. Right. Okay, so you got all these like okay, let's put the um, the the moral law thing aside for a minute. But sure. okay, like migration, herding. Oh yeah. yeah, these are things that animals do. Ducks fly south in the winter. Right. Who told them to do that? Why is that? How could that randomly them, yeah. just happen? Because it serves a purpose, right? Yeah. I mean, they do this to survive. Right. And they just know. To, to do it natural warnings it's programmed into them right and so if we were just randomly happening if these animals just randomly were existing they wouldn't know that and i guess you know some people could say well the instinct was evolved too but if you think but if you talk if you think about it like that uh, let's say the wildebeest okay the wildebeest has to migrate all over africa right like year round they don't ever stop moving and mostly huh. because they're hunted and they are um and they have to spend you know a certain amount of time in a certain region or whatever sure how did they figure that out because at some point the lions would have ate them all right so it's not something that could be lo- learned over generations it would have because they would have died right trying to learn um but aside from those type of things you also have altruism yeah now, isn't altruism natural at least in, in humans. Sure. I mean, there is, and there are some animals that have shown altruistic uh, tendencies. tendencies. Yeah. But you know what? Altruism goes completely against natural selection. That's right. Because what does natural selection say? Uh, it says uh, you either, <laughs> you either get smart or die, basically. <laughs> right. And Sur- there's no survival sacrifice. Survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest. There's no sacrifice. No, you would never sacrifice yourself for something else. Right. That would be not logical. Right. I mean, if survival is the goal of every animal and of evolution, survival is the goal, then um, altruism would never occur in nature. Right. And, and, And the reason, even if it did occur in nature, it would go extinct yeah. Because those that were doing it would all die, die off and, yep. and never come back. That's and right. natural selection would weed altruism out of the equation. That's right. But um, so anyway, it's just another one of those things. Um, there is a, a language. Yes, this is one okay. of the most 
favorite <laughs> studies. Okay, I want to I want to give you a quote here uh, because it's so good. This is a paleontologist. This is not a uh, this is not a linguist. A, th- yes, this is not a the- a uh, theologian. Theologian. This is not from a Christian type of community or anything like this. this is a, a scientific paleontologist. Okay. Okay. And here's what he had to say about language. Many other attempts have been made to determine the evolutionary origin of language, and all have failed. Even the peoples with least complex cultures have highly sophisticated languages with complex grammar and large vocabularies capable of naming and discussing anything that occurs in the sphere occupied by the speakers. The oldest language that can reasonably be reconstructed is already modern, sophisticated, and complete from an evolutionary point of view. (laughs) <laughs> language began complex. That's right. There's no way, even in nature, you know what we observe? Language devolves. That's right. That's like, that's absolutely right. Um, I had a linguist professor mm-hmm. that talked about the origin of language and how they've traced it back. By the way, very interesting. They've traced every uh, origin of language back to a single language. Very interesting how that works out. (laughs) And the origin Mm, seems to sit right around the Fertile Crescent. Very (laughs) interesting. I don't don't know. But anyways, and I'm sitting in this class listening to him say that. And I'm like, I I know the origin of language. (laughs) And I know how it got dispersed. (laughs) He's like, and he's like, at one point it was dispersed across and it changed and, and, and was manipulated. But it began... As a complex, that there wasn't grunts and utterances to start with. There was actual, yeah, language. The the the, the most simplistic language we know is complex beyond belief. That's right. And and you really think about well, how did all these languages begin? We really don't have any historical clue. There's no and, and science and cannot so explain it. You know, science cannot explain and language. We, we do know that they have. Uh, you know, might have evolved from one language to another. Right. You know, like uh, we're going to go visit the Haitians. They sure. speak Creole, which has a little bit of French, a little bit of Swahili. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit, all this stuff mixed in, but it still has an origin with complexity. Right. So, um, and some of those places are really, fan, uh, you know, like Port au Prince was a port. The reason they speak Creole is because they had all these different languages coming together in a melting pot of language and created their own language with it. How yeah. awesome is and, that? And the French owned the place, so they, right. naturally there would be a French influence. Yeah. Yep. So uh, Albert Baugh uh, wrote a book called A History of the English Language, and in it he said, The evolution of language, at least within the historical period, is a story of progressive simplification. Yeah. Now think about the English language for a minute. You know, we, we, we talk about the King James translation. Uh, so hard. <laughs> well, the King James translation is written in an Eng- early English, like yeah. when English was really in its infancy. The old English. In fact, the King James Bible was largely responsible for the development of the English language. Right. Um, now, there are things about the King James Version that are actually very beneficial from a study point, from a knowledge standpoint, and that is that the language was more complex then than it yeah, is now. that's right. So if I said ye, I meant all y'all. Right. All right? So we in Texas have uh, our own version of that, y'all. Right. Ye, is y'all. The same, it's the same thing. That's right. Um, but you is a singular. Is singular. Okay, but now in modern English, you can be plural or it can be singular. That's right. So when God is telling Moses... 
uh, ye have angered me. Okay, in the See. New King James, it sounds like he's mad at Moses. Right. But when if we read the Old King James, right, you get ye, and you obviously know that he's talking about right. Israel. When he says, in fact, most of the New Testament use that Jesus says are pl- uh, po- um, plural possessive, meaning that ye, ye all, like uh, when ye pray, pray mm-hmm. like this, he's not saying you specifically, he's saying you all together. Right. Okay, so that's just one example of sure. how the language has gone from a complex state to a simplified state. Right. And we are we are witnessing it. Right. BTW. Oh, yeah. You know, LOL. LOL. So, <laughs> SMH. <laughs> so we we end up just simplifying our language as, as it goes along. It doesn't get more complex. And I guess that's the point. Right. Evolution is all about complexity coming from simplicity. Yeah. But nowhere do we observe that, not even in the physical side of things, but in the in the informational side of things. It doesn't get better. Right. It gets worse. Right. Um so you know, you know, if if we if if we look at some of the studies that have happened, okay, for example, feral children. You know, we found these. Oh yeah, we have found feral children. Children have been abandoned or lost or whatever, and and raised by wolves. You know, the yes. Rud, Rudyard Kipling type right. of stories. Um, and but this is this really happens. Uh, there have been over thirty six documented cases of children raised without human contact, feral humans. And it suggests that language is only learned from other humans. Right. Not naturally acquired. Humans do not automatically speak. They have to. There's an there is a there is a uh, um, a season of, of acquisition language acquisition that happens. It's really interesting if you take a, a baby mm-hmm. and you expose it to bilingual or trilingual uh um Exposure, in other words, let it watch the, the Spanish channel, uh-huh. uh, or you know, door the explorer, or whatever, and then you, you know, you talk English to it or whatever. That baby, Nihao Kalian, yeah, <laughs> Nihao Kalian, whatever, <laughs> Japanese, uh, however, yeah. but whatever languages you expose it to, that during their language acquisition, they will actually pick up multi languages naturally, but left alone. They won't pick up anything. They don't develop it. And if after uh, 12 years old, studies show the language acquisition dramatically drops. That's why it's so hard for you and me to learn second languages today. Right. We have to, I mean, really work hard at it. Because we translate everything. That's right. Instead of thinking in the language. But a child just naturally acquires it. So why would it be then that feral children would not have a language? Because it has to be handed from one. That's right. Because it was given at some point. Yeah. And once it was given, it had to be handed down yeah. person to person. Yeah. Even if that is in a some sort of osmosis where you're just around it. That's pretty much it. But 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 even if but even at that, you're getting it from other That's humans. Right. You're not going to develop it on your own. Yeah. So if we didn't have language, we never would have language. Right. Right. So it had to have been given. It could not have evolved. Exactly. It was. It was something that was innate, birthed in us, that was given to us by, by God the Father. Pretty yeah. interesting. So Genesis eleven verse seven says, "Go to let us go down and there confound their language, <laughs> that they may not understand one another's speech." Yeah. So this is what you were talking about—the origin, Tower of Babel, the origin of, of language. So. 
but anyway, that's kind of where where we're at. You know, um, right. I, I, the thing is, there has to be a programmer, an artist, a an information provider. Yeah, there has to be one. Yeah, otherwise, there's no information. Right, and we don't exist. We cease to exist at that point. Well, the, the natural way you can prove this is, let's say you take a whole bunch of raw materials. You go over to a warehouse and you lock them in a room and you say, nobody touch that room for the next 200 years. <laughs> when you open up that warehouse 200 years later, what's going to happen? It's going to be the same place that you left the raw materials. They have not connected. They are not creating life. It's just death. Right. It, there has to be a creator well, to create life. Our contention is that whenever God breathed the life into yeah. Adam, he made a transference of information as well. Yeah. And 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 we are recipients of that even today. Yeah. And so uh, if God is providing the information, then he wants us to see him. That's right. In his design. That's right. I mean, we don't look at a painting and go, wow, I'm glad someone spilled the paint on that canvas because that looks... We we look at a painting and we go, wow, that took a lot of talent Yeah, of the guy who put that together because that's, right. that's beautiful. And and God deserves that because we're more beautiful, even the ugliest of us are more beautiful Amen, brother. than any painting you could ever you know, right. put together. We are his masterpiece, um, praise the Lord. It, uh, Paul tells us in Romans 1, verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, yeah, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. No excuse whatsoever. Nope. Amen. Man, that's a good finish for that science by design. Yes. So, so. Well, here at the Theonauts, we are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, and I got it right that time. Didn't yes. stumble over nothing. Good job. So, at the GCT Network, we are <laughs> we are using new media and social network networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com and subscribe to the newsletter there to stay up to date on the latest from all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us an email to the Theonauts at gctnetwork.com. You can call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast portal. And don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Follow us on Instagram at Theonauts. And don't forget to tune in again to explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here. Thanks, David. All right, God bless. This has been Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At gctnetwork.com. Transmission. This is your great commission transmission.